Our Bible reading today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 24. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Good morning, church. Great to be with you. Um, And it's nearly happy New Year's, New Year's Eve. Uh, Are you someone who makes New Year's resolutions? Earlier this week, I found a study and it showed the top New Year's resolutions that Australians make. I wonder if you can guess what they are. Uh, in fact, why not do that now? Um, I'll give you 30 seconds. Turn around with the people who are there uh, and have a chat. What do you think? What are the top three New Year's resolutions that Australians make? Go for it. Have you got your list there? Was that enough time? Well, I'm going to reveal them to you now. Here they are. The top three New Year's resolutions that Australians make. Number three was to eat more healthily. Number two was to lose weight. Number one was to do more exercise and be more active. Well, I wonder if you're going to make a New Year's resolution this afternoon or tonight, or perhaps you're like me. Um, I just gave you the top three responses, but you know the fourth most popular response to that question was, I don't make resolutions. That's, That's my New Year's resolution too. But, you know, we're about to start a series as a church. Uh, For the next few weeks, we're going to think about some spiritual habits. If you're like, these are New Year's resolutions for our spiritual lives. Over four weeks, we're going to dive into uh, church and sacrifice, into thankfulness, and on the final week, uh, patience and endurance. You know, those top three Australian New Year's resolutions, they're good things. They have value for our physical health. But these are spiritual habits that will have value for eternity. So uh, this is a a series that's really worth doing. And we're going to get into it today by looking into this idea of church. Now, here's the outline of what I'm going to say today. Firstly, I'm going to talk about what church is. Then we're going to talk about why church is worth committing to. And I'm going to end by practically talking about what it could look like to commit to church in 2024. So let's begin, though, by looking at what is church? When you hear that word church, what kind of pops into mind for you? Is it a a building, probably got a cross on it somewhere, maybe a a bell tower, a steeple out the front? You know, church, when that word is used in the Bible, it has nothing to do with a building at all. Literally, the word just means an assembly, a gathering, people coming together. And it's used of all sorts of gatherings of people. So in Acts chapter 7, verse 38, it talks about a time from the Old Testament when the Israelites and Moses were at Mount Sinai when they're getting the Ten Commandments from God. And it talks about it as the assembly 
in the wilderness. And that's that same word there for church. Or again, it's in Acts chapter 19, verse 32. There's a crowd that is rioting and it's called an assembly, an assembly which is in confusion. And again there, that word for assembly, it's just the same word for church. You see, the word for church is about a group of people coming together. But of course, when we use that word church, it's, it's not just any gathering of people coming together. So I want us to go now to Hebrews chapter 12, this part of the Bible that was read out earlier, because it kind of fills out for us what the Christian church gathering is really like. So we saw in Hebrews 12 when it was read out, it compares two kinds of gathering at two different mountains. The first one is at Mount Sinai. It's the nation of Israel when they get the Ten Commandments from God. And it's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, so there's darkness, gloom and storm. There's, there's a burning fire. It's terrifying. But look at verse 18. What does verse 18 say? You have not come to this mountain. Instead, verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem. And what's it like? Well, it's not scary, is it? It says that it's a joyful assembly. Now, clearly what's happening here is we're getting a glimpse of the heavenly church. It's, it's, it calls it there, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is a picture of God's people gathered together in the heavenly places. But this is also then the pattern for every church as we meet on earth. So it shows us what our church gatherings here on earth are supposed to be like. And you see what it's like in verse 23. It says, you have come to God, the judge of all. That is, God must be at the very center of church. When we gather, God is right at the middle of what we're doing. Or, or it goes on in verse 24. It says, we've come to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see, Jesus' blood shapes our gathering, shapes our church. We come together because we're forgiven by Jesus. You know, Abel's blood, Abel is from the Old Testament and his blood was spilled by his brother Cain. His blood speaks a word of judgment on Cain. But Jesus' blood speaks a better word. It speaks about forgiveness that Jesus brings us for those who accept him. Jesus' blood is at the center of our gathering. His sacrifice for us must be at the center of who we are as a church. So you see what makes church really different from any other gathering? Because we have God at the center. We come together to hear from him. Because Jesus is at the center, we come together forgiven by his blood. So here then are two big implications for us in our church. Firstly, it means that church is not about a building or about an organization, is it? It must be about the people. You can't have a gathering without people. So at the very heart of church is people. And in some ways, a church like ours has to get this because we don't own our own building. And actually, very soon we're moving, and that should remind us once more of what really is important. Being at Paraka Primary School has been great for us, hasn't it? Lots of good memories there. But being there was never the key for us. You were the people. That's what makes a church a church. In fact, that's why this week should feel a little bit weird for us, a bit strange. Because we're not all together. I know a lot of us are in different people's homes watching together. 
but we're not one big gathering. So there's something not right about today. There's something that's, that's lacking, that's not completely there. Because we're missing each other. We're not all together. Church is about people. So we need to keep that as a really important thing for us throughout 2024. But here's a second implication for us. Church isn't just about people. Remember what kind of gathering we are? We come around God. It's Jesus' blood that brings us together. And we cannot lose this. We cannot become so much about each other that we forget about God or let God just drift off to the fringes. God is our distinctive. Here's what makes us different to joining the bowling club or a board games club. We have God at the centre brought together by the blood of Jesus. And this must keep being the key part of who we are, friends. Uh, so that's it. That, that's what church is. But now let's move on. Um, why do it? Why commit to church? Because every now and again, you'll hear someone say something like, you know, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And you know what? It's true. Uh, you're not saved by a church attendance. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. But often that line is spoken as a reason not to be part of a church at all. So what I want to do now is just give a few reasons why church is worth doing, why church is worth committing to. And here's the first one. We commit to church because this is what God has saved us to. Remember those verses we just saw in Hebrews? What have we come to? It's a gathering around God that Jesus' blood has brought us together. So it just makes sense that we gather, doesn't it? Or even think about the big Bible storyline. Constantly, all the time, God gathers his people to him as a sign of blessing. And in fact, when people are scattered, that's a sign of God's curse. So Adam and Eve are blessed when God gathers them to himself in the garden. Uh, But they sin. And so God scatters them from the garden, sends them out never to return. Or think about the nation of Israel. They're blessed when God gathers them to himself in the promised land. But they persist in sin. So God eventually scatters them out from the land, sends them out as exiles into other nations. Church is the same. God is blessing us by gathering us together. That's what church is. It's part of God's blessing to us. Not that... Every church is perfect. None of us are. But still, this is part of God's blessing to us. In fact, here's what one theologian had to say about it. He said, church is not a synonym for the people of God. It is rather an activity of the people of God. We gather together because God has made us his people. But also... You gather together because it's good for you. You know, the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. So there's this phrase that you see again and again in the New Testament, and it says this, it's, it's, it's one another. You see it over and over again in the New Testament. It says things like, be devoted to one another, honour one another, live in harmony with one another, love one another, and so on and so on. Because the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. We are meant to gather and be with one another. That's what church is. And so church is good for us because there'll be times when we do need one another. So Galatians 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. And you know, when you're committed to a church, 
that's going to mean you grow. Uh, you'll grow in your understanding because you know we'll read the Bible together and others will point things out to us. They'll show us things that we didn't notice that we didn't notice was there. And in fact, we wouldn't have noticed if we were just reading the Bible on our own. Church means you'll grow in our understanding, but, but it also means you'll grow in your godliness. Because in church, you know, God puts us beside other people. And many of those people we come to love as our own family. But like all families, uh, sometimes God will put people beside us who we might find it a bit hard to get along with. Now, this isn't God making a mistake. No, quite the opposite. It's God growing me in maturity, teaching me not to be selfish, teaching me to love one another, to love other people, even when I find it that I'm different to them. Do you see why committing to church is right? It's right because it's good for you. But perhaps more importantly than that, church is worth committing to because it's good for the other people in church. You know, just like you will sometimes need to lean on others, there'll be times when people need to lean on you. There'll be other times when turning up simply encourages someone else. And then there's your gifts. Do you know God has gifted you, friends? This is something the Bible tells us over and over again. But the question is, why? What's the purpose of these gifts? What's my gift for? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Do you see there why God has given you your gifts? Not for your sake, but for the sake of your church for the sake of others, so that you can serve them, so that they might get benefit from you. Again, you can see why committing to church is worth it, right? Because it's good for the other people there too. But there's something even more important than that too. Church is worth it because gathering together honours God. And here I want to take us to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is a letter written by uh, one of the early church leaders, Paul, and he's writing to a church in the city of Ephesus. And all through the letter, Paul has been talking again and again about how Jesus brings Jewish people and Gentile people together. Now, that might not seem like a big thing for us, but in reality, it was back then. See, Jews back then, they didn't really spend much time with Gentiles, with people who weren't Jews. There was a big divide between the two groups, uh, culturally, religiously, historically. And so bringing these two groups together, well, it was a messy kind of thing. It was not the done thing, but that's what Jesus does. In churches, Jews and Gentiles were gathered together. And we hear why this was important in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why bring Jews and Gentiles together in churches? Because it shows off how good God is. When it happens, the heavenly creatures, they look on and they see these Jews and the Gentiles getting together, loving one another, serving one another, honouring each other. And it shows off to these heavenly creatures how wise God is. Who else could have done this? How good is God? 
You know, it's still the same today for us, friends. Who could have brought this group together at Trinity Church Paraka? Some of us are on the, on the left politically, some of us are on the right. Some of us are passionate about Port Adelaide, some of us love the Crows, and some of us are feeling nauseous right now, even at the mention of sport. We've got age divisions, cultural divisions, we've come from, we're people from many and various racial backgrounds. But when we don't let those differences stop us, when we still meet together and love each other and serve each other and be devoted to one another, well, doesn't this just show off how good God is? That his manifold wisdom now is seen by the heavenly creatures when we meet together. And one day the world will catch up and see this too. You see, church is worth committing to for God's sake. Recently, I... I want to tell you about an article I read. It was one of the saddest things I've read in the past couple of years. It said that churches in the United States are becoming divided over politics. And it had research to back this up as well. See, people were going to who were going to churches, they were choosing which church to go to based off who they voted for. And people were leaving churches because there were too many people in their church who voted for the other party than them. This is nothing but sad. Because it says the political differences that divide us are stronger than Jesus who unites us. It's just so wrong, friends, isn't it? And we must not let this be us. We must, not, we must not be divided because of our political differences or because of our preferences for music or for anything like this. Now, we can absolutely disagree on those things, but what brings us together, our God, the blood of our Lord Jesus, these things are stronger than the things that divide us. And when we keep coming together despite these differences, Well, that shows off how good God is, how wise God is in bringing us together. You see, church is worth committing to because it honours God. Okay, There are a bunch of reasons and there's more to say, but let me now move on to some practical ideas. What could it look like to commit to church in 2024? The clear and obvious first thing here is actually then to commit to church, join church. Uh, for, for anyone who's new watching along today, uh, we'd love for you to join church with us. Uh, the way to do this is to come to Belong. We, we Belong is something we run a bunch of times during the year and we'll start running it again in the new year soon. But it just gives us a chance to meet each other, uh, for you to hear a little bit more about what our church is, and it'll help you make a decision of whether you want to commit to and join our church. But actually, most of us who are watching today probably already have joined church. And to you guys, I simply wanted to remind you, be committed in your heart to church this coming year. What could that look like? Firstly, just be there each week. Come along, be there amongst us. Now, obviously, none of us will be there every Sunday throughout the year. You know, we'll get sick, sometimes work will take us away, we'll go on holidays. So we won't be there every Sunday in the year. But can I say this? Have a high bar for what will make you miss church. Have a high bar for what will make you miss church. Now, I'm not going to give you a list of acceptable reasons to miss church and unacceptable reasons. We're not legalists like that. But here's an example. If your mother's best friend's nephew's cat is sick, 
you can probably still come along to church, right? What I want, though, is is our hearts in the right place. In our hearts, commit to your church family by being there, by having a high bar for what will make you miss church. Here's the second practical thing. Go to church for the sake of others. You know, some days I might feel low on energy. I think, I just don't want to really be around people. Maybe it's just easier for me to stay here in bed this morning. Other days, I might feel like I'm going great, like I'm on a a spiritual high, and I can think, well, I don't really need to go to church. I'm doing so well right now. But in both these cases, who have I thought about first? Well, me, right? But Jesus teaches me, actually, to think about others first. And that's one of the great reasons to go to church, for the sake of others. Because no matter how I'm feeling this week, I can always go for your sake, to serve you, to love you, to honour you and be devoted to you. I might even just encourage you by turning up and being there myself. So go to church for the sake of others. And here's the third idea. Go to church ready to grow. Go to church ready to grow. Yes, this is going to happen. We'll grow when we open up the Bible together. So prepare yourself each week, friends, to hear from God as we open up the pages of the Bible. But also, we can grow as we do other things. Like, for example, we can grow when we serve each other, when we express our love for each other through our acts of service as God shapes us to be more and more other person-centered. So come to church ready to grow. And finally, committing to church means being on the welcome team. In fact, if you've joined church, I've already signed you up to the welcome team. Surprise! (laughs) No, but I would say all of us at church are on the welcome team. Now, we do have our host teams and we love them and they do a fantastic job. They're like the hosts at a dinner party. They show people in, they help us know where things are, they serve us snacks, they serve us drinks. That's the host team, but all of us are on the welcome team because all of us are there to care for and look out for newcomers. So if you see a new person come on in, go and meet them. Better yet, take a friend and go and meet them together. That way the new person will meet two of us, not just one of us. And I reckon actually with newcomers, there's a a 30 second rule that applies. After church, we've got 30 seconds to meet the newcomer and, and not to leave them hanging. That first impression really does count. So before you look for a friend, look to see if there's a newcomer around. And then go and meet them. This is going to especially be true for us when we start at our new venue. New people are going to poke their heads in and come and have a look at what's going on. So uh, let's go out of our way to make sure we're meeting them, making them feel at home with us and welcoming them well. Now look, there is so much more to say about church, really, isn't there? And perhaps you might want to keep chatting in your watch parties uh, over morning tea. But here's the challenge for today. What's it going to look like for you to commit to church in 2024? To be committed in your heart to be there with us week by week? Are there rhythms of your life that you need to change so that you can be there and be there regularly? Are there attitudes that you need to change so you don't skip out easily? Are there prayers you need to pray for God's help in this. As we end, why don't I pray for us all? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for church. 
We thank you that you gather us around you. Thank you that you gather us as forgiven people by the blood of Jesus. Help us see and know the blessing that this is. And so help us be committed to church in 2024. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.